This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. I preached one message first service, I preached another message second service, and I'm still not really sure what I'm going to preach this service. There's an anointing on the house today of divine distraction. In other words, God's been speaking to each congregation each hour a little differently. And I'm just, I want to, I started to pick it myself, I'm going to say I'm just faith-filled to follow him. I found if you follow him, you never go wrong. So let's read Matthew chapter 1 quickly, and then we'll pray together. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. He was a what kind of man? Righteous. Righteous. God's looking for some righteous people so he can do some mighty things through them. A righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let me just make that clear. Not God away from us, but God who is with us. There's going to be something about him that makes us know he's right here. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for your presence. I want to thank you that you are here. And for all of those that have gathered for this third hour here on our central campus, I pray that your clarity will speak to us, and God, that my plans for this message will So come to your plans for this message. God, that you will help us to become all that you want us to be, and you will cause us to be a righteous people. I say that again. Cause us to become a righteous people, people holy, serving the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, during this Christmas season, I've been honored to bring you a very simple, simple sermon series It's been based on a rope. Somebody on our staff has deemed this the Hope on a Rope series. But as we have been bringing you this uh, simple, simple series, I want to uh, come back around and just review just for a few moments and then try to follow what I think the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. So as we've been talking... And you can see I got a little carried away last service and must have been slinging the rope around because it's all tangled up now in this service. But as we were 
talking through the last few weeks, we were talking about the three components of these ropes that we have here. Now, it's important to know that, that this, this message is, uh, is very focused on uh, three things. There are many things that God wants to do in our lives. They're very focused on three distinct things. So let's, let's have a test, see who's learned anything from these messages. The yellow cord represents... Uh, the fact anybody even remembers I preached last week means the world to me. <laughs> but it, re- it reminds us of us, okay? A component of us, all right? And then last week we added this part in and we talked about the word. The word, red, scarlet thread of the word that runs throughout the, the, the scriptures. And then we brought this, brought us to this week, it brought us to the blue one, which represents the presence, okay? So we talked about the fact that there's always going to be us in the situation. If we're involved, whether you like it or not, the number one person that's going to mess up your situation is you, right? Me, us. We are our own worst enemy. We struggle most often because of our decisions, the things that we do. And we talked about the fact that we're involved in this process, but the fact that we're involved in this process, how that as a singular strand, when the world begins, watch this, when the world begins to try to destroy us, to break us, watch this, as a singular strand, we break. Now, somebody said, no, 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 Pastor, I I don't break. As a matter of fact, I've had this passage of Scripture quoted to me more times than I ever want to hear. I never want to hear it quoted the the, the way or this thought process that says, you know, that the Word of God says that God will never place more on you than you can stand. Okay? I've heard that quoted, and people say, this is not going to take me out. He'll never place more on me than I can stand. Can I tell you, I don't know that I've hardly ever heard a true believer quote that passage that way. Because a true believer understands that God is going to break you. He's going to mess with you. He's going to get down into what's hindering your life. He's going to break out the pride. He's going to break out the bitterness. He's going to break out the hate. He's going to break out the racism. He's going to break out everything that is rooted in your life that should not be there. So there is a breaking that's going to occur in our lives. And sometimes we're mad. We're going, well, I'm not supposed to be more than I can stand. But God says, I'm breaking you. Why? Not so that I can destroy you, but so that I can take. Listen to what I'm come to tell you. I can take this nasty looking menagerie, as it were, uh, of things that have built up in your life. And I can break them down into the small remnants and I can take the remnants of your pain and the remnants of your sin and the remnants of those things and I can begin to rebuild your life and I can take them and when they've been when your life's been washed in the blood the broken pieces and I love the words of the apostle will become a masterpiece and so he takes and makes a mosaic from the broken places of your life that makes you a beautiful beautiful creation that God intended you to be How's that going to happen? Well, we realized on the first week that that is necessary so that I don't break, that I intertwine or braid into my life the Word of God and the presence of God. And so when I intertwine the Word of God and the presence of God in my life, it 
it allows a law. Now, when we talk about the laws of the universe, the laws of physics, the laws of thermodynamics, the law, laws of, of, of motion and gravity and all these laws, we, we, we somehow try to take science and we try to take faith and make them separate. But I really believe that, that those laws actually prove the things of God. They prove the truths of God. And so when I say that, that what we have here is the law of physics, it's not something that distracts from the faith moment of it, but it proves the faith moment of it. Let me, let me explain this to you. When I say the law of thermodynamics, for example, as a part of the law of thermodynamics, I understand that something cannot become combustible. It will not burn if the fire that is inside of it is greater than the fire that's trying to consume it from the outside. Are you with me? So if something is hotter on the inside, it doesn't burn up. Now, what does that have to do with what I'm trying to talk to you about this morning? What that tells me is this, that when these three boys named Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, or by their Chaldean names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they stood up and said, we don't even have to play the music for us again, almighty king. We've already made up our mind. When they were speaking in, my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit as I'm talking to you today. When they were speaking in faith. Somebody came up to me after the last service and said, well, you just went old school on Christmas Sunday. I went, I'm just going to preach. And I feel this in my soul. So listen to what I'm about to say. When they said, King, don't do this, it ignited a fire of faith inside of them that caused a roaring, raging faith moment inside of them so that when they walked into the fire that the world was trying to destroy them with, the law of nature said the fire inside of them was greater than the fire that was trying to consume them, and they walked through and came out the other side. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. So the same thing applies with the law of physics. It tells me that if I allow my life to be braided in with the word of God and the presence of God, that what happens is when the world comes to break me and the world tries to destroy me and the world tries to take away my hope and take away my my joy. And I know I told you last week what Waypoint had told me in the second service last week, but what a powerful truth when they said, I used to be a hopeless dope fiend but now, watch this, I am a dopeless hope fiend. Now, come on now, God's good, amen. And what it does is it changes who we are and there's something that changes in me and I realize that I don't have to dope up myself, drink up myself, silly, run and hate and bitterness and sin and fear and and failure, but now I can intertwine my life with the power of God's word and the presence of God and no matter what comes, I will still be standing because God redistributes it through my life. Can I get an amen for that today? So here's the problem. When I'm planning a series, I wish God would always tell me in advance where we're going. But most of the time, he doesn't. Most of the time, I'm struggling because I don't know where we're going. And the reality is, I wanted... Look how cool this would have been, all right? So... The, the first week, we would have talked about this braiding. The second week, I would have talked about needing the presence of God in your life. And the third week, I could have talked about the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it would have been perfect Christmas message. 
But then I realized when God said, no, you do the word last week. And when I did the word last week, I had no clue why I had to preach on the word last week and the presence this week. The reality is this, that I, yellow, will never be able to have the presence of God until I let the Word of God do its work in my life. See, we want God to show up and change our world. We're all looking for zap moments. Lord, here I am. Zap. I'm better now. What good is it for God to zap you for you to do zip back to who you used to be? That's preaching right there. I mean, what good is it? What good is it for God to suddenly show that he's with you when you're not already made up your mind you're with him? Have you ever been with somebody who's not sure they want to be with you? Can I tell that story? Be nice to you. I'll be as nice to you as you were to me. No, I'll just play. So listen. So a few months into our dating relationship, unbeknownst to me, the week before homecoming, she was done. She was through. So we go somewhere together, and we're hanging out. And so I just think, you know what? I mean, we've been together for a little while, and I just, you know, we're just going to go on a walk. And I reached over and just went to take her hand. Can I just tell you? Like lightning, her hand disappeared. I was like, well, that's not normal. So I just, being the dogged person I am, moved to the other side. I thought she was walking around like this, like, oh, God, help me, Jesus. Come on now. And suddenly I realized we had a problem. We weren't on the same wavelength. I mean, she was a little slow, worth waiting on, though. Come on now, amen. All right. Thank you for giving me another chance. But we weren't on the same wavelength. You see, I wanted to be there with her, but she at that moment wasn't sure she wanted to be there with me. And God's been reaching to some of you, trying to change your lives, and you've been like, not sure I want that. God's been saying, I want you to become better and stronger and healthier. So here's what my word says you need to do. And you're like, oh, oh, no, 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 I'm not embracing that. But you will never know the presence of God until you fully embrace the Word of God. Until you let the Word of God begin to change your life. We're like, God, I want you to show up. But God says, before I can show up, I need you to prepare a place in your life. And this is going to sound a little harsh, but you might need to clean up. 
Now, I'm not talking about salvation, but I'm talking about we've already made up our minds that we want to serve God, but yet we want to serve God, but yet we don't really want to serve God. What we want is God just to save us and let us go about our own lives and zap in ever so often so we feel Holy Ghost goosebumps of his presence that makes us know he's not forgotten where we are. But the reality is God's not happy with you feeling goosebumps. God doesn't want to be outside of you. God wants you to get the word inside of you so that his presence gets on the inside of you so the fire that's in you becomes greater than the fire of the world that's trying to destroy you thank you for saying amen right there matter of fact so i can move on from this point act like you got it can i get an amen and so what god's doing is he's trying to change our lives and so today, let me just bring it to a simple, simple point that I had not, it's not in my notes. We, matter of fact, we're so far. Can I just at least use one note? Jesus didn't bring, uh, didn't just bring hope. He was and he is hope. Now I've used my notes. <laughs> and they just took them away. But what I use, they zip it off. Okay. Well, listen to me. So. The person that kept coming to my mind this morning on Christmas Sunday is this guy named, we don't even know his name. We just know his description. He's called the prodigal son. Now, when I say the word prodigal, what do you think of? Sinful? But the word prodigal doesn't mean sinful. The word prodigal means excessive and in abundance. It means that he lived, watch this, for himself. And as he lived for his self, he wasn't worried about intertwining any of the principles that he was supposed to live in into his life, and he kept feeding his own selfish desires in great abundance. Can I tell you how you reach a prodigal son? You don't reach a prodigal son with an uptight, pious, religious father. You reach a prodigal son with a prodigal father. In other words, a father who's willing to run to that son and pour out his love on that son in an abundance that that son does not deserve. Because why? The prodigal bears witness with the prodigal. But think about this for just a moment. This son disrespects his family. And scripture tells us that he goes out and the literal translation is is he starts drinking, partying, and sleeping around. Well, that's a Christmas topic for you right there. He starts going out living in sin. And because he starts living in sin, he ends up losing everything. Can I tell you? You might think you have it all under control, but sin will take everything from you. And he ends up at an unbelievable destination, a pig pen. Could you imagine that? He's living at a pig pen. 
There was this time in my life, one Christmas Sunday, I used to do all these animal things, and I had this, I had this illustrated sermon, and I, I, I had, you know, I'd build all these animals all over the stage, and I had all these pigs over here. And, 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 and can I tell you that that, it was a fake pig pen, but real pigs, and nobody told me that pigs get car sick. We had to evacuate the sanctuary. I can't, um, ooh, I can't imagine what it must have been like to live day in and day out at a pig pen. But that's where his way took him. Watch this. Somewhere, truth started speaking to him. The Bible says it this way, that while he was at the pig pen, he said these words to himself, in my father's house, even the servants are treated better than this. You see, the lie had been telling him, watch this, the lie had been telling him, you're never going to go back. You're going to die here at this place you have found yourself, you brought yourself to. It's all your fault. Can I just go ahead and tell you, I don't care if you bought the pig pen with your sin. I don't care if you dug the ditch so deep that you can't climb out of. I don't care how far you wandered out into the wilderness. My God's hand is not shortened that he cannot deliver you. My God is still able. My God is still faithful. And the way that you start walking into the victory of his deliverance is not with some kind of goosebump feelings, but it's when you get a hold of the word of the living God and you come to yourself and you begin. I'm trying to get somebody free in here this morning. I'm trying to get somebody into the joy of Christmas. And what I'm trying to tell you is stop believing the lies and start believing the word. Because you see, you're going, well, how is what he remembered the word? It wasn't the word of God, but it was the law of the land. And the law of the land said that, that he could return to his father's house as a servant. He could never go back as a son, but the law of the land said he could go back as a servant. So he remembered the law. Can I tell you today, I'm not worried about the law anymore. I now know the law of the universe that has been formed in a new covenant that was ratified in the blood of Jesus Christ when he bought our freedom. And the law says, I don't have to go back as a slave. I can be welcomed home as a son. And when I get a hold of the fact that the word of God, the devil says, God's not going to forgive you. I have to quote the word. The word says that, that if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. When the devil says, there's no way that God could love somebody like you, I say that while I was yet in my sin, he loved me and he died for me. When the world says that God is not going to save you, I declare for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, though he, come on now, hallelujah, what he shall never perish but have everlasting life. Amen. I begin to quote the word, and the word tells me something. It gets me up from where I am and starts me moving toward the right direction. But here's the beauty of the moment. 
Here's the beauty of the, 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 of, of the truth. I don't need just me, and I need the word coupled with the presence. Because the law of the land said one thing. The law of the world says one thing. But I need the presence of God to enforce the fact that the word of God is working in my life. How do I know he's working? Come on now. I see what's happening on the outside of me, lining up with what he's doing on the inside of me. He's working on the inside, and it's changing the outside. He's changing who I am for his glory. Why? Because as I start walking toward him, the word tells me that I was created for a purpose. I do have hope and his name is Jesus. But all of a sudden, the cares of the world that took me somewhere began to declare to me that that word is not going to be uh, uh, there for me. But then all of a sudden, the presence becomes necessary. And as the presence of God becomes necessary, as the presence of God becomes... Y'all looking at me like he's, he's about to do a magic trick. I'm not, I didn't come to do this kind of trick. I came to preach. Listen to me now. The presence of God tells me this, that because of the law of the land, I need the presence to remind me the word's working. What was the law of the land? The law of the land said this. The law of the land said he could go home to his father's house as a servant, and this is how he had to go home. That when they saw him coming, they were to tell the father, and the father was to assume the position of judgment. And he was not allowed to move. The father was supposed to stand on the door of the house in the position of judgment. And when the position of judgment was assumed, what was supposed to happen so that the other sons and daughters of the village would not follow that son's bad example, that every house he passed had been given the right under the law to come out and slap him and spit on him so that he had, if he really was repentant, he'd go all the way home. Can I tell you, I'm sick and tired of churches trying to tell people they got to get somewhere on their own first. I've come to tell you that you never make it on your own, that the blood of Jesus Christ is the only hope, the only thing that's going to deliver. I'm trying to finish, but let's stay with me a moment. So what does the father do? He sees them coming to their doors. He sees them getting ready to strike his son. And the father, in his position of judgment, realizes that what his son needs is not judgment, is grace. And what he needs is a move of the presence of the father. So the Bible says that the father hikes up his own garment. In other words, it was a disgrace for him to go forth showing that part of his body But he hikes up his own garment and starts running. Why? He says, look and let the disgrace be upon me and not upon my son. And that reminds me of a scripture that he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. But by his stripes, I become healed. Amen. Listen to me now. The father runs to his son. He says, I'm going to get to him before the law smacks him down. What this tells me is this, that I'm not going to be able to match up with the word completely yet. But his presence reminds me he's already working inside of me. That he runs to me. He embraces me. Pastor Don, what are you telling me I should do? I'm trying to tell you the first thing you need to do is you need to get honest about who you really are. 
Until you get honest that you're necessary for the equation, some of you are like, oh God, I just need your word and your presence to change my life, but you're not involved. How's he supposed to change your life when you haven't given him your whole life? I love the word for redemption in the scripture. It's actually the word that means to take you off the market. You see, sin wanted to marry you. I don't know how to say this, but quite literally, he put a ring on it. Well, that's what the father did in the story. He put a ring on him. He said, I'm taking him off the market. You can't have this boy because he's mine. And the father ran to him. And he showed them to whom he belonged. You're going to have to be honest about to whom you belong. And the reality is you can run around and screaming, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. But if your life's not lining up with the word, then something's out of whack. If you don't sound any different, you don't look any different, you don't act any different, something's wrong. But as the word starts working in your life, you're going to realize, just like your pastor realizes, I fail more than I win. But then his presence comes showing up. I watched this morning right over here in the second service. A young lady who wandered in here less than a year ago. She'd come here throughout time growing up, but she'd wandered in here less than a year ago. Hopeless. With all of the dancers. How'd that happen? In the choir. She took her position of worship. Watch throughout this choir. People that have been assaulted sexually. People that were alcoholics. People that were addicts. People that were hopeless. People that have been through crisis. People whose families are struggling with sickness and loss. People who have been through so much. Those who are weary from exhaustion. I watched them worship because what was happening was as they were declaring the word, the presence of God was touching them. I thought to myself, and this is how I'll close today. Don, you feel so many times shocked that anybody even remembers a point. But look what God's Word did, not yours. God's Word changed their life. God's Word healed, restored them. Pastor, are you, you telling me that God can change my life? You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a Christian. Oh, you are primed then for God's word to change your life. It ought to already be changing your life. What I'm really trying to tell you is this. You know what my job is? I'm a hope dealer. Come on now. I didn't say dope dealer. I said hope dealer. I'm a hope dealer. Some of you are like, what did he say? I'm a hope dealer. And I don't have little samples. I invite you to a river of hope that will change your life 
forever. Dive into his love. Dive into his grace. Dive into his joy. You know what just jumped in my spirit? If we had more hope dealers, we wouldn't need any dope dealers. There's hope. And his name is Jesus. Today as I'm preaching, I've declared different things in each service. But I'm going to tell you, I feel like I'm literally battling some walls that have been there 30, 40 years for some of you today. Some of you have been there your whole life because you're not 30, 40 years old. Some of their generational walls, they've, they've knocked you down for so long. If you will engage in the process, begin to memorize God's word and live it, God's presence is going to show up and cause it to grow in your life. So somebody said in the last service, what you really tell me is Christmas is all about presence. It's not about presence. It's about the presence of the living God. Stand with me. I don't know. Thanks for letting me ramble today. A young pastor would have thought of these notes that I didn't use and think, man, I messed that one up. A more seasoned pastor, like the way I said old, says, man, I've got sermon material for weeks up here. This is awesome. But what I do know is that God arrested Christmas Sunday to talk to somebody. And I would rather be part of a church where God's in control than a church that has unlimited resources. Because if God's in control, it doesn't matter what you need. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. Bow your heads with you in this place. God's here to talk to us today. I told you that I've come to disperse, to deal hope to you. How many would be here with me today and say, Pastor, I need this because I need hope. Can I see your hands? That's you. Wow. Hands all over this place. Thank you. You can put those down. See, nobody's embarrassing anybody. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to ask you about three more questions, then I'm going to pray, and the service will be over. But nobody looking around, everybody praying. I want to ask you, who here would be honest and say, Pastor, my life's not lining up with the word right now and I need God to forgive me and help me line up my life with the word. Let me see your hand, be honest. All over this room, there's hands all over this room. Thank you, put those down. How many of you would say, Pastor, I'm desperate for a move of God's presence to give me the strength I need. Can I see your hand? Wow. All right, put those down. Now, I want you to listen to, the, to, to me for just a moment. Those online, those listening via the radio, those on television, those that are present. I want everyone's attention for just a moment. I want you to listen. At this moment, at this time, if you're in this room and you say, Pastor, 
I don't know the hope of Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't really, really know. I mean, I've prayed prayers, but I've never really committed my life to Him. And today, I want to know Him completely as my Savior. Or maybe you prayed a prayer and His Word and His presence have had no part in your life. And you know, you know that you're not where you need to be. I'm looking all around this room. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I didn't embarrass anybody else who raised their hand. And I'm not going to embarrass you. If you say today's the day, you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Right where you are, I want to pray with you. And I'm not going to embarrass anyone from any of these times. But I want to see your hand. Would you hold it up quickly if that's you today? So that I can know. Thank you. Thank you. Who will join with these two? Are there others? Thank you. Who will join with these? Are there others? Looking around this room. Who will join with me? There's more. There's more in this room. There's more watching. Maybe you can say that's me. But there's more here right now. This is your, your moment. I see that hand back in the back. You can put that down. Are there others? This is your day to fully surrender your life to Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't care if you were baptized at 12. I don't care if you joined a church. You know whether or not if Jesus Christ were to return at this moment, if you'd be ready. Because if your life's not lining up with the word and you're not practicing the presence, you know that. And I want to see those hands. This is your moment. This is your time. Thank you, young lady. Is there another? Thank you, sir. Who will join with these many, many, many today that have given their hearts already to the faith of the message that I'm declaring? All right, listen to me just a moment. I, I've never done this like this, I don't think ever, in all the years of giving this. But I feel like there's somebody in the place, you say, Pastor, I really I really know that I've asked Jesus to be my Lord, but I've not been letting him be Lord. And I want to confess that now, and I want to get it right. Hand up quick, 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 quick. Wow. Hands all over this place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Put them down. Thank you. And we're going to pray with these because the most important prayer we can ever pray in this congregation is for the many, the many in this room who said they wanted to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. But as we pray this prayer today, I want us all to lift our voices because somebody prayed it with us and now we're going to take this time to pray it with them. The Bible says that if we will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and we will believe and declare that God raised him from the dead, that we would be born again. This is your moment. This is your time. This is your hour. So at this moment, lift your voices across this building with these many that have made that decision today. Pray with me now. Jesus, by faith, I believe you came for me. You died for me. And as a result, I receive forgiveness for my sins. I give you my past, my present, and my future. From this moment on, I declare God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Now, Father, those that have prayed that today, I pray what the Word of God says, that the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit of God in their life will begin to seal them now as a change is literally happening in the spiritual realm, as an eternal change is happening, as their name is being written in the Lamb's Book of Life, 
as they are becoming whole in Christ. And Lord, now for those who lack hope, I thank you that as the grave could not hold you down, so hell cannot hold back their hope. It comes in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I, my goodness, I do, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to worship. And I declare that those who are weary and well-doing shall be renewed. Their strength shall arise and they shall move forward for the glory of God. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. And I thank you, Father, for what you have done today. And for each of these hands that's gone up, there shall be eternal change in Jesus' mighty name. Let our lives all line up with the word. Start with mine, change theirs, and let those watching know and listening know that God has a radical plan for their good. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Now, come on, give God a praise this morning. God is so good. Amen. Amen. Well, I pray the Lord will bless you. pray that he will prosper you. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.